Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Jim Was Cancelled, a Buffy podcast. I am Jess. And I am Stosh. And today we are talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 3, Episode 4, Beauty and the Beasts. Beauty and the Beasts. Before we get started, Stosh, do you have any clarifications or corrections that you'd like to make? No. Okay. I don't think so. I also don't have any, but it could be because it's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> the last episode isn't even like halfway done being edited, which is usually when I notice my correction. So that is what it is. Well. What does our guest have any corrections? Wah, wah, no <laughs> guest. <laughs> uh, I do want to say thanks, everybody, for coming back after our break, because, you know. Assuming you all did. Assuming you all did, I guess. If you're listening to this, you came back, and we love you for it. That's real. So thank you. And let's go ahead and just start. Yeah, in the summary, it starts with Buffy narrating imagery of someone running through the woods, and then it morphs into Willow reading it. Yeah, and apparently it's from Call of the Wild. Apparently. I have not read that book. I haven't either. But if you have, let us know if it's actually part of the book. I would assume it's actually part of the book, I guess. It'd be weird if it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> if they're just like, we'll just make shit up. <laughs> <laughs> like, they could have picked a different book if it wasn't. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, Willow's reading it to Werewolf Oz. And, and he doesn't like when the rabbits come up. Yeah, they make him antsy. The rabbis. <laughs> yeah. But Xander shows up to take over for her. So... Immediately, he shows up in this scene, and he's like, you could tell he's tired and like not feeling it. And I was like, he is going to suck this episode. <laughs> I wrote down, prediction, Xander is going to suck. <laughs> and oh, what I thought was going to happen was he was going to like let him out or something. Oh. Which would be really shitty, and I don't know why he would do that. <laughs> but that's just where I saw that scene going. Yeah. And instead, he just went to bed, which is almost as bad. Well... Willow brings up the fact that there's a privacy screen. Yes. Because <laughs> she's still getting used to half Monty. I don't know what that means. Naked, I'm Is assuming. It? Okay. Because Oswin Watts, except from being a werewolf, he's naked. So I assume that's what it means. Oh, okay. I mean, I figured it was something like that. I just, it's not a terminology I know. Yeah. And Xander says, oh, good. Half? You and Oz? Which half? And Willow says, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Which I like. I did. I liked that, too. And then, yeah, she leaves and Xander immediately goes to sleep. Yeah, what a dickhead. <laughs> God damn it. We'll put a pin in that. And then, Whether or not that makes him a dickhead? Yeah. All right. And then Faith and Buffy are patrolling. And Faith has a pretty low opinion on men. It's fair, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would say it's for it's men and women both, though. Like, we are animals at our very basis, but we have evolved into something greater, right? I don't think that's what she was getting at, no. That's true. Well, because she was like, men are only in it for the chase, and that part I don't agree with at all. I think some are. Some are. But some women are only in it to be chased. That's true, too. So they should That's meet That's not up. relevant to what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Someone is actually being chased by a beast of some variety. Yeah. Something. And then it's the credits. And then we go from there to Buffy going to the counselor, right? 
it goes to them in the hallway, and Willow doesn't think Faith is right, that all men are in it for the chase. And then Buffy gets stopped by Scott Hope. I guess me and Faith are both very jaded. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's why I'm more likely to take her side. <laughs> that's why Chelsea was excited for you to meet Faith. <laughs> I get it. I think. I mean, until she's been around for a while, I won't really know how I feel, because the introductory to a new character is always like such a... Yeah. They're really trying to show you who they are and going over the top with it. Yeah. So you got to let the dust settle before you really figure out how you feel. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that they went hard with Faith's existence in the last episode in Faith, Hope, and Trick. And then this episode, I think they did a pretty good job of being like, she's just here now. Yeah, they did. (laughs) I liked that. Yeah. But Willow doesn't, doesn't agree with Faith and Scott stops them and he's with his friends, Debbie and Pete, who we meet this episode. I didn't realize till like the cafeteria scene later that they were his friends. And I was like, who are these people? Why, did they just, why are they just here now? Well, it's nice that Scott has friends. It is. <laughs> Even if it would be better if he had different ones. Well, it's fine. <laughs> but in that scene, Debbie talks to Oz about the fact that he's not doing marching band this year. And Oz was like, no, I can't handle the pressure. It's not the music. That's hard. It's the marching. I mean, the fact that it's a marching jazz band, he brought up a great point. Because <laughs> what makes jazz good is the improvisation. <laughs> and you can't coordinate that <laughs> into a march. Yeah. He had a very good point. I think our school had a marching jazz band too, though. Did they? Maybe. I mean, our school had a marching band. Yeah. I guess maybe it wasn't jazz. What makes you think it was jazz? I don't know. There were trumpets and saxophones and things. That's, I mean, that's a normal band thing. Is it? It's, I guess usually I think school, this... school band is usually more orchestral than anything else. Yeah, that's true. And there was quite a bit of orchestra. I guess I was just thinking like, whenever I think of saxophones, I immediately think of jazz. So, but that's more like in. But that's like saying when I think of guitars, I immediately think of country, but you use guitars in all genres. Yeah. So that was very. Yeah. Like the fact that you even said country at the end of that sentence blew my mind. (laughs) I mean, banjo, I guess, is also something I think of very heavily with country, but it can also be like folk or polka and stuff like that. I don't know what the difference between country and bluegrass is, but I definitely think the phrase bluegrass when I think of banjo. Yeah. I don't know either. I should, but I like both enough that I'm okay with them blending. Bluegrass and country make more sense to me than like hip hop and country, which is what modern country is a lot. And we're yeah, I don't kind like that concept at all. I like hip hop. I don't like the idea of mixing it with country though. We're going a little off tangent here. It's relevant. It is a little relevant, but I like it's that directly you- <laughs> relevant to the text. <laughs> I like that you like what Oz said, and I'm trying to think of the word. So the thing about saxophone and jazz yeah, is that that's like, going to be like a guy yeah. or like a like quartet. Like, and there's going to be one saxophone jamming out. Yeah. It's not going to be six saxophone players and four trumpet players playing the same parts in unison. Yeah. I feel like that was very, it's not typecast. It's not the word that I'm looking for, but it's the closest. It's very close minded of me to just be like saxophone is automatically jazz. Close minded feels like a harsh phrase for what you're saying that's why i can't think of the right word but and typecast (laughs) is definitely wrong but i know what you mean like i see why your head went there i don't know stereo 
stereotypical. I guess that I works. Know. That's the best of the three yeah. words you've come up with for what this phenomena. <laughs> but I should be more open-minded about saxophones because I don't know. I used to play saxophone. That's cool. Did you play jazz? No. Well. I also was very bad at it. My point is automatically disproven then. You know why I didn't play it in jazz? Because I played it in the school band. Well. Which did zero jazz. <laughs> as maybe it's because in the 90s they tried jazz. And as Oz said, it was very difficult. So then we go to the counselor? Well, then Pete oh. brought Debbie flowers. I don't remember that. And Debbie's like. I'm sure Scott does that for you all the time. And Scott's like, we're not there yet, <laughs> which I really liked. And Buffy was like, we are pre-posy. And I like that phrasing a lot. And then before the counselor, they go to the library where Giles and Xander are in a panic. And Oz says, just a thought, poker, not your game. <laughs> And, um, and Giles thinks that a werewolf might have attacked somebody in the forest last night. Yeah, someone who was friends with Oz. Yeah. So now he's upset. Yeah. And then we find out that the impenetrable window is open. Was open. Yeah. And Xander said, he was here in the morning when I, when I. Woke up. Says, Woke up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the only scene that like I remembered from this episode very vividly. <laughs> I mean, it was good. Yeah, it was a good one. I was definitely like, oh, you stepped in it now, Xander. <laughs> like, Giles has a low tolerance for Xander on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> but then we go to the counselor's office because my next notice, Buffy Summers reporting for sanity. Mine is smoking in the school. <laughs> what? Did you notice he used an air freshener to hide the fact that he was smoking in the school? I didn't know what he used that air freshener for, and I'm glad you said that, because <laughs> I watched him do that, and I was like, what the Because <laughs> my guess is he's not supposed to smoke in the school anymore, because this is during the whole anti-smoking campaign, right. where adults were like, what the heck, I want to smoke in, in inside, and... Like, there's transitioning. That's This is my most 90s thing. Spoiler alert. It was going to be mine, too. Okay. I have a second one, then. Oh, I don't. But. I um, saw that, and I stopped looking for him. <laughs> I, I did, like, too. <laughs> I did, too. But then there was something that was just blatantly 90s to me. Oh, that that's we'll fair. get to. No, I know what you're talking about, though. I definitely remember being a kid and everyone being like, you can't fucking smoke in bars anymore. Yeah. And there, yeah. And, like, the smoking section got taken out of, like, restaurants and stuff like that. So it's, like teachers like that who are like i'm gonna mm -hmm. break the rules but then i'm gonna cover it up so i was really surprised that he didn't wind up being a villain really because in the 90s typically villains smoked like that like yeah. that was part of the way you knew they were a bad person yeah so my not that i think people who smoke are bad people no that's, obviously uh, you don't yeah but um like half of our friends smoke your roommate smokes <laughs> But but my roommate's a bad person. That's no, a bad example. <laughs> Don't say that. Jonathan's the best. That's what I when I think the whole point with that is supposed to be was I think he was supposed to appear as like not your average school psychiatrist. Like he's a little rough and tumble. And I think that he kind of comes right out with that with his telling Buffy, like, I'm not your friend. You have friends. Like he had this just such strong presence and it was clear that like he was what Buffy needed. Yeah. In this episode. So it was really cool. And for him being a one episode character, he wow, was spoiler alert. 
Well, you... He died. Yeah, I know, but we always talk about the fact that death isn't permanent. Well, maybe he comes Angel back died then. last season. <laughs> maybe he did. So being in the... Appearing in the same episode where he died. How about that phrasing? Sure. Dying and, like, for all that he showed up. It's kind of like Dr. Gregory where, like, he only really had one scene before he died. Mm-hmm. And it made you like him enough to where his death mattered. Yeah. So... No, that makes sense. Um, I do think Buffy was clearly apprehensive about going in there and talking to him, too. So I wonder if, like, coding him as a villain, like, was supposed to have us have the same apprehension. Yeah. And then, ideally, he wins you over the same way he did Buffy. Yeah. And, like, he won me over right away, too. But So I'm saying, if the script did its job, you went in thinking he was going to be bad, and then he wasn't. I guess that's a really good point, because Debbie does talk smack right before... Mm-hmm. Because she doesn't in. like him. Yeah. She, quote unquote, doesn't like him. I think Debbie did like him, but she talked a lot of smack because Pete didn't like him. Uh, maybe. I could see that. I noticed that, like, because I remembered what happened. I was like, oh. So I picked up on that this second watch through. But That's fair. Um, second watch through. Well, I watched I watched it <laughs> twice. I watched it a oh. few weeks ago and then I watched it again today to take notes cuz I'm going to start doing that because season 3, I watched season 2 over and over and over again except for those like collection of episodes that I just skip it was every like time. Half of them? Well, no. There are like 5 episodes in season 2 that I skip every time like bad eggs and killed by death and stuff like that. But even the ones like I liked killed by death. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I know you did. I did not. We, we established <laughs> this in the bonus episode. <laughs> if you haven't watched it, go back and listen to it now. But <laughs> Like a comic book editor. <laughs> I don't watch season three on repeat quite as often as I do season two. So I'm trying, and because I'm not watching Buffy at all outside of this podcast for the past year and a half at this point, like. You have brought that up the last three episodes in a row. <laughs> I know because it's weird for me and it's I'm I'm running out of shows to watch because I use my usual go to is Buffy and I'm not watching it. So it's like disorienting in a lot of ways. So I am watching each episode twice this season gotcha. once for enjoyment and once to take notes. So. So the counselor does win over Buffy. Yes. Pretty quickly with and, some sage advice. Yeah. And then she goes to the library where Cordelia fills her in with her usual tactfulness. I don't remember what she said. Something about Oz probably killed somebody last night. Or oh, something. yeah. <laughs> and then Xander was like, we don't know it was him. And it's not his fault. Werewolves just like harmlessly play with their with some with somebody like child like i don't i didn't write it down yeah but xander made the entire thing way worse (laughs) but at least trying to brush it off like it's no one's fault because he doesn't want to be in trouble right but he does at least notice that he made it way worse (laughs) yeah that's true um and then oz tries to bail out of the conversation but he has to go and lock himself in a cage i did write down that when he gets up to leave and Willow walks up. Yeah. And he says, okay, you know that thing where you bail in the middle of an upsetting conversation? I have to do that. It's kind of dramatic, I know, but sometimes it's a necessary guy thing. And Willow's like, and I want you to, but it's 5.30. Get in the cage. 
And he's like, yeah. And he does. And I don't see anyone lock it. Is it just only openable from the outside? Yeah. Okay. And then he says, get away from the cage. And a way aggressive way that throws Willow off. It makes her so sad. I wrote, poor Willow. Because then he says, get away from the cage. And then he says, get away from me. And that's when I think she gets like really, really sad. And I get really, really sad. It was a good like scene, but it was sad. And I feel like it was hinting at Faith at least kind of being right, just in the fact that Oz at least has like the capacity to be a dick if he's well, yeah, in like a bad mood. And he's like a great example of it because he's definitely like the most carefree and nice guy in the show. Yeah, well, not nice guy TM, an actual nice guy. Yeah, well, and like we talked about with Dean last season when he was on, like when Oz told Willow he's not going to kiss her until like she's over Xander. Mm-hmm. Most guys wouldn't be like that. And like we've talked about Oz's character and being like better than most teenage guys in those capacities. So right. you're right. It's a really good. Yeah. It, it shows that like that was like the point of the episode was even he's not always going to be like that. Yeah. And his emotions will get the best of him. That kind of came up in the werewolf episode last season where in phases when Giles is like was talking about like how werewolves like exist and it's it's pulling out the the animal from within so it's not Oz but it is Oz when he's a werewolf right but he wasn't a werewolf this time right which just fits specifically into the theme of this episode is why I bring it up yeah we don't have to spend that much time on it I just wanted to say it (laughs) we're agreeing with I'm agreeing with you I'm just doing a really long long job of it yeah (laughs) um and then Buffy goes patrolling and she finds Angel. Really quick. Did they ever close that window? Yeah, I'm sure they did. Like, we don't see it. That was like the first thought I had when they left. I was like, hold on. I have to believe that they did. Anyway, go on. She runs into Angel. I think that's how you said that. Angel. I just wrote it in all caps in my notebook. So So I was real excited. Buffy was not excited, though. No. Buffy was freaked out, which, you know, I don't She should have been. (laughs) Appropriately so. Yep. And then we cut to the morgue. <laughs> I loved this scene. <laughs> because, and I like, I didn't write down a lot of quotes, but I did write down, we're doing crime here. You don't sneak up during crime. <laughs> I wrote that one down too. <laughs> yeah. But like Willow seems all like put together and Xander and Cordelia are freaking out. And then as soon as like the job is done, Willow just passes out. <laughs> At least she was able to hold it together long enough to get the job done. Yeah. Proud of her. And then there's a Miss Edith sighting. I don't know if you noticed that, but those were Drusilla's dolls that Buffy knocks over to get the chains to tie Angel up. I don't remember. I mean, I remember seeing the dolls this episode. I don't remember them coming up before. Oh, yeah, because Drusilla would like talk about her dolls and like she would turn them around so that they couldn't watch her torture Angel and stuff in season two. I don't remember that at all. Oh, well. That's I don't fine. think we talked about that either. I don't think we did. That's funny, though. Yeah. And I was thinking about it. I was like, it's weird that like they left that stuff. And then I was like, actually, it makes a lot of sense because <laughs> left Spike in just quite a hurry. <laughs> incapacitated her and drove off. So it makes sense that all of their stuff is still there. I'm impressed that she was able to drag him all the way there. I know. Without him waking up just from to wake up just in time. I know. It's a little bit of TV 
timing. Yeah. But she chains him up and leaves him there. And then it switches to Faith jamming out on werewolf duty. And Buffy goes to relieve her and she just punches her right in the face. I laughed so hard. (laughs) And like my note says, I shouldn't have laughed at Faith hitting Buffy, but I did. (laughs) I even saw it coming. Like I knew that's what was going to happen. But it was just it was just a funny scene. (laughs) And so then Buffy takes over for Faith and falls asleep on werewolf watch. I also was upset by that. And nobody gets mad at her for it. <laughs> they don't even comment on it. Yeah. Giles catches her and he's all nice about it. Yeah. <laughs> I was upset by that. Too. I was like, no one's going to say anything. Okay. I mean, I guess Giles is the only one that really caught her. Yeah. Everyone else came in after he woke her up. But, but it's just like that, that Gordon Ramsay meme where it's like Xander falling asleep and Gordon Ramsay's like, you effing donkey. And then it's like Buffy falls asleep and it's him with the child being like, Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's what immediately popped into my head. Then, how does she repay him for not giving her crap? She lies to him and tells him she had a dream that Angel came back. I guess that is a lie. I was <laughs> I was thinking she just didn't tell him the whole truth, but no. That I do. I was like, why not just tell him? And I guess I get why, but she should have just told him. I agree. Why do you why do you get I don't get why. So can you maybe explain she, it? as a teenage girl is just isn't ready to have the conversation or face the real consequences. So she doesn't want him to know what's real because she thinks something out of her control might happen. Mm, That makes sense. Okay. If she's the only one with information that it's real, she can make sure it pans out the best way in her favor that it possibly can. Yeah. But like, if she tells Giles, there's like the chance he's like, well, we got to go kill him. Yeah. And she doesn't want to do that. You know what I mean? Correct. She should have told him, but like, in my heart, I understand the desire to not. And that's when he says, must have been some dream. I didn't think you knew what a card index was for. When did she bring up a card, in- card index? Giles brought up a card index. Because after she relieved Faith, she went over to a file cabinet and pulled out a long drawer with card indexes in it that tells you where in the library things are located. Oh. I missed that. That was my second most 90s thing I noticed. Was the card index? Yeah, because it's so, I was like, we don't use those anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even know what it was now that you say it. I was picturing a Rolodex, which has nothing to do with what was going on. No, it's like a long. Which also fueled my confusion. Yeah, it's like a long list of cards and it's sorted alphabetically and you like find what book you're looking for and it tells you where in the library it's located. Neat. I think whenever I needed a book, I'd just ask the library. And he would get his card index. Yeah, I didn't watch that. Wow. (laughs) Librarians can be women, too. (laughs) Sexist. Well, Giles is a a male librarian. He wasn't my librarian. It's true. Also, I think like it's stereotypically a female profession. (laughs) So it's not. My favorite librarian in school was a man. So that's probably why I was just like, he. I didn't know any librarians personally in school. He taught me the Dewey Decimal System and I promptly forgot it. We and when I was in elementary school, we had a whole class on it. That's something I bet kids don't learn anymore. <laughs> Probably not. Thinking about like <laughs> people who bitch that kids don't le- learn cursive anymore. But yeah, then Giles tells Buffy that Angel would probably be insane if he came back from the hell dimension because he's probably been there 
for hundreds of years. Yeah, I had a problem with this. Why? He said that there's no recording of anyone ever coming back from this dimension. Mm-hmm. How do we know anything about it then? Like, presumably all the books he has were written by someone who, like, had experience with these demons or, like, practiced the magic. But, like, if no one's ever come back from this dimension, how would we know time is different or that it's just straight torture or anything? And he did specify there were no recordings of anyone coming back. Yeah, he did. You are right. I don't know how they would know that. Yeah. I was just sitting here mad for, like, the rest of that scene. That's a good point. Because... <laughs> I don't know why that just made me think of like one time when we were camping and we had a fire and the moths kept flying into it. And my sister was like, why do they keep doing that? And my uncle was like, because none of them fly back out to tell the rest of them not to do it. It's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like people have been to other dimensions, so they, you know, like dimension theory. And so, but I don't know, because I guess. That wouldn't explain how they know it's a hell dimension. So, I don't know. Solid plot hole noticing. I don't have an answer for you. So then, it switches to lunchtime. Ooh, hold on. Oh. Still in that morning. Yeah. Oz wakes up, puts his clothes on, and then walks out his already open cage. Yeah, because Giles came in, opened the cage, and went upstairs to find Buffy asleep in the stacks. Oh, I didn't see him open the cage. He acted like okay. they deliberately show him opening All right, it. I, I must have been writing or something. I was so upset when I saw him get up back there and just walk out. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, because that's when I was like, what the heck, Giles? You come in, notice no one's there, smile, open the door for Oz, and then just go gently wake Buffy up, up in the stacks far away from where the werewolf is. Like, she's not even asleep in front of the cage like Xander was. Yeah. She's in the back of the library. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. Well, I missed that. So that makes a lot more sense. So then we'll go to lunch. Yeah. We go to lunch and Buffy sits with Scott and his friends. And she has like four kinds of jello on her plate and that's it. What cafeteria just (laughs) offers four kinds of jello? You know, I don't know. (laughs) One of which has marshmallows. (laughs) Yeah. All I, just, all I got from that scene was Scott's mom is pretty cool. I don't even remember his mom coming up. He said, my mom thinks therapy can be super beneficial for people. Oh. And then his friend is like, your mom is Yeah, I, I remember having a hard time with that because I felt like overall they were trying to dog on therapy. Yeah. So I like missed out on it being his mom because I was focused on disagreeing with the message. Yeah. But now you know why that message was so off. It's because they were sitting with the villain. I don't know that it does well enough to contradict that being the message, though. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because um, at no point later, they're like, oh, actually, therapy is good. You know what I mean? No, actually, like, I disagree with you on that. Because of the conversation with Pete and Debbie, when Pete t- talks about how he killed the therapist, because Pete was was emotionally distancing Debbie from therapy the way he did her friend in the band and the way he is doing with Oz and gaslighting her. And then he kills them just to make sure that she stays super isolated. So anybody who could help Debbie get away from him is instantly a bad guy cut off, not a good person or dead and dead because Pete's trying to control her 
And I mean, that all of that is true. Like, that's yeah. definitely what's going on. Yeah. I don't know. I guess you're right. It just felt subtle for me. Yeah, it's, it's super because, subtle because they moved on like they were. Yeah. Like it wasn't about the therapy anymore. It was about how evil of a man this guy is and all the horrible things he's doing. Yeah. So it didn't have time to retract the idea that that, that could have been planted in your mind a couple scenes before that. Because Buffy the whole time is like, well, I kind of liked him. Right. And Debbie was like, I guess I can see why, but I just don't like the things that he says because he's telling her that Pete's a dick. Yeah. To get the fuck away from Pete. Yeah. 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 Okay. Like Scott. And then Scott's like super nice to Buffy and she like freaks out and she's like, I wish I didn't have to, but I just remembered that I do. So. That's awesome. <laughs> and then Pete says, that's a, that's a phrase I need to steal. <laughs> yeah. Pete says, check out Scotty liking the manic depressive chick. Yeah. I was like, God, his friends are dicks. <laughs> yeah. And then Buffy goes to check on Angel. I don't really have anything to say of that scene. My note for that scene says, I feel like maybe she should have just told Giles. <laughs> Which we covered already, and yeah. I already felt, but I needed a note for the scene. Yeah. I also think she should have just told Giles. She doesn't have to tell Xander, who, like... Well, she was... she When she goes to the therapist to talk about it, she says specifically she didn't want to tell Giles or Willow. Yeah. But, like, it makes sense to me that she wouldn't want to tell Xander, and I can even understand Willow, but I don't understand Giles. I think she sh- could have told him. I think she should have, for yeah. sure. I, I still, we already talked about it. I understand I, why she didn't want to. Yeah, and your explanation makes sense, so I see it too. I'm just, like, we are in agreement that yeah. she should have told Giles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then she goes back to the therapist, or the counselor. No, no, before no? that. No, fuck. Before that, we see Debbie and Pete sneak into a private room. And they're, oh, like, making okay. out. And there's some green, glowy liquid. And then that's it. We just, like, we did see you drink that. this? Yeah, we see that. Yeah. And then it switches to Buffy spilling her guts to Mr. Platt. And she she walked in and said, I know your whole thing is turning around, but don't. I just want to talk. Yeah. I wrote down before she said anything else, he dead. Because, <laughs> like, there's no reason they would start the scene that way without, if it wasn't going to be a dramatic reveal that he was dead. Oh, yeah. And wouldn't have turned around anyway. Well, yeah. She, well, she notices his cigarette. Yeah. Is after she spills her heart out. Yeah. And I thought that um, was an interesting way for her to, like, notice that he's dead. Is like, his cigarette just burned all the way, and all of the ash is still just, like... And I don't know if cigarettes actually do that or they not. They don't. It would have gone out. Okay. Well, yeah. It would have gone out, and, like, if it got that long, it would have just fallen. Yeah. But, yeah, he's dead. And then it switches back to Pete, and he's flipping out on Debbie. Yeah. And then he visibly turns into a monster. Yeah. What a what a thinly veiled metaphor that was. <laughs> yeah. Because like that scene, if he wasn't like using uh, like a formula to do a Jekyll and Hyde thing, which mm-hmm. I didn't really feel was a very applicable monster to this. But um, I guess it wasn't. It wasn't. But anyway, like that scene would have played out exactly the same without a transformation. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people have seen that actual thing just happen yeah so 
thinly veiled metaphor i think is pretty on point because it yeah. like wasn't even a metaphor no and they kind that's of just sum how that actually up. men like that act yeah they kind of sum that up in the like last conversation of the episode like it's not even a monster it's just it was just him yeah but i do appreciate the fact that like they made him ugly and grotesque and like had claws for hands and stuff because like because ugly people are bad people. No, because his insides were coming out of his in, into his outsides. And it was a cool representation in that form. And the reason that he had to change like that was because they needed to be like, oh, is it Oz? Is it Angel? No, it was Pete. Who apparently can just kill in an instant. Well, yeah. Because like he killed the counselor so fast he didn't have time to turn around or move his hand. Well, I think, see, that part bothers me because he clearly slashed him in the face yeah so like he had to have walked around his desk to be like right in front of him like that yeah but he had to do it so fast that the counselor didn't have time to react yeah it I, it felt weird to me he not only like is a monster and like threatens to harm does harm her physically but he's like gaslighting her through the whole thing mm-hmm. being like i don't need to take it anymore i just have to listen to your annoying voice and like all of this stuff and then when he realizes he hurt her and transforms back, his first thing he says is, you know, you shouldn't make me mad. And then he has her console him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I looked I, at that point. It's, it's kind of funny because my husband had Dean had just come downstairs and I looked at him and I was like, actually, I think it was a few minutes after the scene. He comes downstairs and I look at him like, thanks for never saying the phrase, you know, you shouldn't make me mad. And he's like completely not watching the episode at all. So he's just like, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> but like, oh, that got to me so much. I, I hated well, that. It, yeah, because it's very real. It is very real. I've experienced it. They make you feel like it's your fault that 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 bad thing happened and like don't take ownership for it. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a good job. Like. You don't realize that Scott there. Oh, my gosh. You don't realize that Pete's going to be the bad guy in the beginning of the episode. No, because he can put on a kind face around everyone else. It's only when they're alone that he's a piece of shit. And it's so real, like so real for that to be the way that it is. So I like it. I like it a lot. Even though I don't like this. (laughs) This episode wasn't like one of my favorites, but I liked the messaging in it. I think they did a really good job of it. At a time where I feel like it wasn't talked about, I feel like I feel like it's hard to know because there are so many times when I'm watching something or like reading something from the 80s, the 70s, the 90s, whatever. Like anytime I go visit old shit and something serious comes up, I'm always like, huh, I didn't think people talked about this back then. But I have that feeling enough to where I think people have always talked about shit and it just like gets brushed under a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess that's true because like now it's easy for it to be like everyone's talking about it because it's quote unquote trending. But like, well, I think I think the Internet makes a big difference, too. Yeah, because it's really easy. And then even in the 90s to watch this and be like. That sucks. That's a bad person. But luckily, people aren't really like that. and You can just feel that way. Mm-hmm. And even as I'm sure you experienced it later in life, you probably didn't realize. No, yeah, I did not like, make that connection. Exactly. But like now, I think with the open communication that the Internet provides, I think makes it a lot easier to see that so many injustices are real and not just drama drama for television or 
books or anything. So I, I honestly think that's the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And so then it switches to Debbie going to meet up with Oz. Uh, I think we must have missed a scene because they talk in the library and they're like, where is Oz? He should be here by now. And then it switches to Debbie meeting Oz. You're I right. That does happen. I don't, I don't, I don't think I had anything any notes for, that for that scene, though. though. Yeah. Um, they just they just realize, oh, no, that's just when Buffy t- and them are talking about the fact that it was Mr. Platt died like just seconds before Buffy showed up. Mm, yeah. So it's definitely not Oz. And Willow's excited that it's not Oz. And then they're like, where is he? And then it yeah. switches to this scene. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Which um, I did like that. Her Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Super inappropriate, but we all get it. So Debbie meets up with Oz and he's like, I mean, obviously he sees the black eye, so he knows something's wrong. But I think he can sense that like something even deeper is going wrong. Yeah, because she's acting weird, too. Like she's clearly like inward and reserved and like is clearly afraid to be talking to him because she probably knows that Pete's over there watching, even if she doesn't see him or like he didn't say like she he's obviously doing that. Yeah. And so she's probably like afraid to be talking to Oz in general because it could lead to him getting hurt, which yeah. it would have if if he wasn't a werewolf. Right. Exactly. So, but he like offers to talk, and she's like, "No, I'm fine," but she's clearly not. Yeah. And he which, even, but also like good for Oz here too. Like, yeah, because like obviously you can't force her to talk if she's not ready to. Yeah. But it it's good for him to lend that open ear like that. Well, and like he even knows like he has to get to the library. But he's still willing to like a take little. a moment to like be there for her, even though like they're clearly not super close friends at all. No, like she just knows his friend's girlfriend or right. his friend's boyfriend. Well, and they were in mar- in marching jazz band together. Or oh whatever, yeah, that last happen. year. But like, still though, clearly like, that's not minor close. acquaintance yeah. over anything. Yeah, yeah. So good on us. I, a little part of me was like. Okay, it's good you're offering the ear, but you need to get to that library. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was right? a little stressed out. I was like, what's going to happen? But then he shows up in the library and he says, hey, I may be a cold blooded jelly donut, but my timing's impeccable because earlier in the episode. I also wrote that down. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm stealing all of the quotes. You but... did. I think you stole all my quotes, but one. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's okay. But yeah, that got a good chuckle out of me too, which is another good point of them adding comic relief to this very serious topic episode yeah but it's because willow was like it's not your boyfriend who's a cold-blooded and then she notices that he's awake and she says jelly donut yeah so i I appreciated that little callback and so then they're all talking about how there's there has to be a connection between this jeff kid and mr platt and oz is the one who who recognizes that debbie is the connection Mm -hmm. and mentions that she has a black eye so of course all of them are like oh yeah Pete must be a controlling dick bag. Yeah. <laughs> I liked when Oz was like, Debbie and Jeff used to horse around. And Faith says, they were screwing? <laughs> and they all pause for a second. And Oz is like, I don't think so. But he hit her music comp book once. <laughs> I was like, this is how you know, like, you talked about how you and you and Faith have a similar view on the world. But like, it. Kind of shows how, like, a cult, like, Faith clearly is, like, if Debbie, if Debbie was messing around with this dude, that means that they were having sex. Like, very different than what everyone else in that room thinks horsing around means. So it just kind of shows that even though Faith is kind of, like, accepted into their group now, like, she still 
has a different like outlook. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. I liked that. And then Buffy and Willow go find Debbie. Yes. In the bathroom. I didn't know if you had anything else to say on that scene. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. So Pete obviously thought that it was that they were screwing like Faith thought. And clearly that's not what was happening. Right. Or well, even like I think for him, he was jealous enough to where just talking to another guy is too much. Right. Right. So like even if he didn't think they were screwing, he thought it was any interaction with another man that could have put a smile on her face. Like, yeah. That's too much. Yeah. In the scene we're about to get to where Willow and Buffy are talking to her while she's putting makeup on, she's like, I'm his everything. So it's clear that like he wanted her to have no one but him, mm-hmm. which is kind of a callback to him talking smack about her therapist to the point where she feels like she has to talk smack too. It's gaslighting like, working. Yeah. Like, which there's so much gaslighting from him to her that we see. Yeah. So, and it's clear based on her actions that it's been going on for, for a, a while. long time. Yeah. yeah. So they go and find Debbie putting her makeup on and then it switches to Angel breaking free. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> and then Buffy breaks Debbie. <laughs> well, she's been broken for a while. <laughs> I really like I didn't like that, but I appreciated that whole thing. Um, I think that that was the most important line in that scene, because to say that they broke her would put blame on them for trying to help. Mm-hmm. And it's not. It, if anything, it was the first step to trying to help fix her. Mm-hmm. So saying that she's been broken for a while is correct. Yeah. And then it switches and Pete shows up in the library and he wants to fight Oz. Idiot. I loved this. <laughs> The comic book nerd in me <laughs> was so excited because I was like, oh, they're doing the thing where monsters are going to fight each other instead of the hero. <laughs> I was so ready for it. And you liked it? I did. I mean, so Pete comes in and he's talking mad shit yeah. to Oz and he's like, you put a move on my girl. Uh-huh. And Oz says, yeah, well, we talked. Yeah, but it was move free. Yeah, I have that quote written down, too. I know, but I had to jump on it. I know. <laughs> Anyway, so I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to fight. And so he transforms. He hulks out is how I would have phrased it. And he rips the door off the cage. He could have just opened it. (laughs) Uh, And he beats up Oz Oz. for a minute. Mm -hmm. And then the sun goes down and Oz knows it's it's time. And it's like, I like that he like can embrace the upside of being a werewolf right here. Yeah. Because like. Usually it's just this negative, oh, I need to go hide now. Yeah. Like, and obviously, overall, he'd rather not be one. Right. But just his, like, getting hyped, and he was like, now the rules are changing, or whatever he said. Time's up. Rules change. Yeah. It was just cool. Yeah. I liked it. And I didn't even really care for the fight that much. I just liked the concept that it was the monsters fighting each other. Yeah. Also, holy shit, that werewolf costume looks terrible. (laughs) Yeah. That definitely took me out of it. Yeah, this is the first episode where you see the new werewolf out get up, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it looks more like a monkey. Yeah, that's the new werewolf. They like completely changed it after yeah, faces. It, it looks terrible. Yeah, um, it's not great. And then they all show up, but Buffy and Willow and Debbie walk into the library right after Giles and is someone with Giles. Faith, maybe. Faith and Willow, I think, are with him. Yeah. Well, Willow was with Buffy and Debbie. 
Oh, so yeah, Faith is with him because she's the one yeah. who ends up getting the gun. Yeah. Well, oh, no, I thought Buffy grabs the gun first and goes to shoot Pete. And Debbie says no, and she pushes the gun. That does happen, but I mean, by the end of the fight, Faith is the one with the gun. Correct, yeah. Proving that she was in the scene. Yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, you're right. And Bobby shoots Giles, and she says, sorry, and he says, oh, right, bloody priceless, and collapses. (laughs) I love that so much. Because it's like a long-standing joke that Giles just gets knocked out all the time. Like, <laughs> is it? I haven't noticed that. That's funny. Yeah, he gets knocked out often. I'll have to watch out for that more. Yeah, it's happened quite a few times now, so I feel like I can say that it. I believe thing. you. I haven't noticed it, but um, I'm not good at noticing trends like that, though. Yeah, and so there's a podcast I really like called Hush, a Buffy podcast, and. They stopped right after Halloween and I was very upset, but they like were going to do a longstanding tally of like how many times Giles gets knocked out and like how many times other things happened. I don't remember what the other ones were, but that's fun, though. Yeah. Can't do it on this podcast because you haven't seen any of it. So I can't be like, oh, we're going to count how many times this happens because then you like know know that that's going to start happening. Yeah. But it's a fun thing for other podcasts to do. And I really enjoy that. But so, yeah, then there's like this big fight and Pete runs off and he goes to find Debbie. Yeah. And Buffy chases him down. Yeah. And he he goes through the window. So it takes her a second to find the blood stain on the wall. I think she must throw the gun to Faith when she goes to chase after him. I think. No, uh, it's on the floor. And she says she like points and yells at her to get it. Faith goes and grabs it. Okay, yeah. Because then Faith and Willow run down Oz. Because I do remember that part. Yeah. Um, cause at this point Dean has sat down to keep watching it with me and he's like, if Oz bites Pete, is he a werewolf now? <laughs> it's like, we'll never know. <laughs> I think he would be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but would Probably he be, be like an extra evil werewolf because of the potion? I would assume that one would either override the other or if he's feeling particularly angry in werewolf form, he would become an even ang- a more powerful werewolf. Interesting. That's how I would think it would go. Obviously, like you said, we'll never know. Yeah. But yeah, because I looked over at him and I was like, spoiler alert, Pete dies this episode. And he was like, I remember. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Um, so during this like whole fight scene, there's a part where Faith and Willow are uh running after Oz and he like runs down the stairs and they're like right behind him and he kind of like skids a little bit and I yelled out loud Faith take the fucking shot (laughs) and instead she kept running and he turned around and knocked her down and I was like god damn it (laughs) that's so funny yeah and then he started running down the hall and she went to take aim and I don't remember how she lost the gun but Willow wound up grabbing it right because Willow's the one that actually shot him no Faith shoots him because he he tackles Faith, Willow runs up and like pulls his tail. That's right, and then he something. starts chasing Willow, and she should. I knew Willow yeah. was a big part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was right before that when I would yelled at Faith. <laughs> well, she eventually takes the shot. <laughs> I know, a little later than she needed. Like I'm just saying, running down the stairs, she had a clear shot there. Uh, and then Buffy finally catches up to Pete, and he's already killed Debbie, which is really sad. It's very sad. I did forget that she dies in this episode 
even I think she needed to to really sit ago. to really send the point home. Yeah, I, I was think sad you're right. that she did, but like when he like caught up to her and Buffy hadn't found him yet, I was like, I don't know if Buffy's gonna save her right here or not. I think it will diminish the story if she does. Yeah, and I that and I stand by that. I think it would have if she did. It's very sad. I didn't want Debbie to die, but it was very sad. But it's also very real. Like Debbie clearly did not want to to be saved, and if you don't want to be saved from that kind of situation. No one can save you. She kept going back to him, no matter how much Willow and Buffy were right, no matter how they explained it to her, no matter how hard they tried. Like she was so it was, she was so far gone that like you couldn't get like, she couldn't get out and it's heartbreaking, but that's why you have to like watch for that sort of thing. And you have to like make sure that in your relationship, you're not, being suppressed there's there's quite a bit of compromise and and give and take in a relationship you can't be selfish but you also can't be with someone who is selfish because that's at the end of the day what pete was he was selfish with debbie mm-hmm. and that is what well, caused him to selfish become, and manipulative and yeah. like lots of things it wasn't just selfish well but he was selfish with Debbie and he was willing to resort to manipulation and gaslighting in order to keep her and violence and violence But and that's the thing that I think gets to me is like a lot of times in in television shows and stuff, domestic violence is only shown through physical, physical violence, but it always starts with that emotional manipulation. And sometimes it never gets to the violence stage and it's just as damaging, maybe not just as, but it's it can be. So it's hard. I agree. So then Buffy finds him too late. Yeah. And he goes to kill Buffy. And then Angel shows up. And I hated that. Oh, did you? <laughs> yes. In concept, I liked that it was two monsters fighting again. Yeah. But I don't think, but I don't like the idea that Buffy needed to be saved from this guy. I don't think I'll really ever enjoy a fight between Buffy and a monster where she gets saved by someone else like that. Unless it's like very like well written in a lead up to it. And in this particular case... I think it's very easy to take that as an abusive man can only be stopped by another man. And I don't like that message. I don't like that message either. I definitely didn't think of it that way because I think Buffy could have easily over, eventually over, overpowered Pete and killed him. I don't think yes. that that's what would have happened had Angel not shown up. But what I liked about that scene is Angel, even in his ins- insanity driven, lost all sense of self rage sensed Buffy was in danger and went to protect her. And sure. it was clear that even when he had lost all sense of self, the first thing he remembered as he came back was Buffy. She was the first, like her name was the first word he uttered. So I didn't think of that as like a Buffy scene. I thought of that as like an angel scene. That's fair. Plus I had David Boreanaz shirtless. I'm sure you're never going <laughs> to complain about that. I will never complain about that. Though it does bother me because I think in this season he's thirty. David Boreanaz is thirty years old. Um, this season, Same. and I'm like watching that with Dean, and Dean turns thirty this year, and I was like, he looks so much older than you to me, though, and it's just insane that like we are older than Sarah Michelle Gellar is as she acts out this part and stuff because I've always thought of them as way older than me because they are in real life but like it's hard to to have that transition where like 
these actors are the same age we are in this scene. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Like it was, it's trippy. Um, so I wasn't focusing on him being shirtless so much as I was like, he's my age. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But then it switches to the next day them walking down the hall and Cordelia has missed everything. <laughs> I wrote that down. Uh, he didn't? Pete was a monster? Where have I been? <laughs> that was after they accused him of or they said they heard that he ate all his mom's birth, birth control. control, so it was an estrogen overload that yeah. caused him to kill his girlfriend and die. <laughs> like, that even makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that one, and then it, what, the other one was what? It was like, he, he drank, drank nine guava or iced coffee yeah. energy drinks of some kind. <laughs> I think that I think they said tea. Oh, maybe. I think it was like nine guava teas or something. And I was like, what? <laughs> there was definitely coffee in the description. There might though. have been. I I don't remember. I don't know. It made me laugh, though. Did you write down the rest of that quote or just where was I? Uh, where where have I been was the last thing I okay. wrote down. I didn't write it down, but Xander was like in your special place core, which is why I adore you or something like that. And she gave him a dirty look. Yeah, I liked that a lot. And then that and then Cordelia is like, so at the end, he wasn't really a monster. It wasn't a monster that was driving him. And Buffy was like just himself because they even said like the potion he made or whatever you want to call it just amplified things inside him. It, yeah. it, it didn't make him a new person. Yeah. And I think Willow does reference Jekyll and Hyde. And I'm not. She, she said it's a Jekyll and Hyde situation. Yeah. And like I said, I disagree with that assessment. Yeah, because I'm not super familiar with it. But like Dr. Jekyll was like smart and kind. And Mr. Hyde was like evil. Uh, yeah. And aggressive. But so they were in, like in the story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde it is specified that they're different sides of the same person. Are they? Yeah. Um, I've never read the book. So this is definitely like an ancillary understanding of it but from everything i know about it he wanted to amplify the good parts of himself so he made this thing that made him super smart and kind and all the you know parts of dr dr jekyll but yeah then the side effect of it is that all the parts he tried to repress come out as mr hyde i think it during nighttime i don't know for sure gotcha but yeah, that's my understanding of the story, at least. Anyone that knows different, feel free to write in. Yeah, but, please do. Yeah. But either way, I do know that that's part of it, is that they are both him. Because okay. that's like part That's like the part of the story is it's the duality of man. Okay. Um, I think the Hulk is a better example and a better representation of this specific story, which is why I referred to it a few times. Yeah. But that's the same thing. It's he, when he gets mad, it just comes out and he can't control himself anymore at least except in the stories where he can well and like i I, again i don't know just like dr jekyll and mr hyde i don't know the hulk super well but in the movies that are recently out they kind of make it seem like the hulk is a completely different character from bruce banner yeah yeah the problem with comic books is that they've been around for 80 plus years like batman's almost 100 years old right (laughs) So, like, they, different people have different interpretations of what this character should be, and the movies, the Marvel movies are starting to reflect that big time. Yeah. Which I'm a fan of, because it makes it feel more comic accurate. A lot of people hate it, because it's different from the Marvel universe the way it started. Yeah. 
But that's neither here nor there. But I would definitely say the version of the Hulk I'm referencing is closer to the one from like the original Avengers movie, which I think I think is better because that's when isn't that when Bruce Banner's like I'm always angry and then turns green. Yeah, that's a secret cap. Yeah, I saw that movie. I believe you. It was written and directed by Joss Whedon. <laughs> I saw that one and Age of Ultron. I I saw all of them at some point, but it's been a long time. I don't love them anymore. Yeah, I don't. They either. were so good when they were new. Yeah, um, like a couple years ago, I went back and rewatched Age of Ultron. Held up in a weird way, like parts I didn't remember. I really enjoyed rewatching. But then, like, all the parts I remember not liking, I hated even more the second or the, the, the next time around. I've definitely seen it more than twice, but that's definitely a high peaks, low valleys movie for sure. Yeah. I, I don't be- like the way Joss Whedon writes Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Is that the episode or is that the, the movie episode? <laughs> is that the it movie where well episode. Captain America says something to, about watch your language? And- that's the opening to Age of Ultron. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that is so Joss Whedon to put that in there. But I do think it goes, it's, it's inconsistent with he, the rest of Captain America and the other movies. It is, because he writes him like he's already an old man, because he's from the 50s or the yeah. 40s. So, like, he writes him like someone who grew up then, which, like, for, like, comedic effect, which is fine. Like, I get why that mm-hmm. joke exists. It's just not what I like about Captain America. Yeah. Well, and they and like, curse I don't, in other scenes and he doesn't say, hey, watch your language. Yeah, so it's just a one-off joke. Yeah. And I mean, Tony Stark brings it back later, which, which is also funny. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. There are other examples of why I don't like the way he writes Captain America. That's just but, the only one that like sticks out to me in that, episode, in that movie. Yeah. Anyway, we've gone on a lot of tangents. Yeah, we have. That's okay. So, anyway, that's the end of the episode. Unless you yeah. had something else to say. Well, Cordy at the end of that scene says, great, now I'm going to be stuck with serious thoughts all day and like walks off and Xander like smiles like adoringly and like locks eyes with Willow and Oz and then just follows after her. And I really like that between them. That's funny. I missed that. Yeah, it was really cute. But I know I missed like the last like 30 seconds of this episode or something because I looked up and the next episode had already started and I was like what just happened (laughs) so like I caught the first like line or two of the next episode okay well they're gonna rent a limo spoiler alert (laughs) or they're talking about it I don't know if they're gonna then Buffy goes over to Scott Hope who's sitting all alone because both of his best friends just died yeah and he says that he has been friends with them since before they even went to school yeah and like Buffy's like, I don't know what to say to you, but I'm sorry. You know, like yeah, she's just there for him. Yeah, which is nice. The best bedside yeah. manner we've ever seen Buffy have. I know. So she just she goes to check on Scott Hope and he doesn't have a lot of hope. And then that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> oh man, we go into the pop quiz next, right? Let's see. I have three questions for the pop quiz. Three. 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 Three, count them, three questions. All right, question number one. Did you recognize Mr. Mosby from Sweet Life of Zack and Cody? No. That was, was that the, the counselor? therapist, yeah. Same actor. I have maybe seen five episodes of Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Oh, well. That, is, that was definitely past my Disney watching age. I was, I was like right on the cusp. That was like towards the end of my Disney watching days, but I obviously still watched it. 
Like I definitely like I've seen it, but I definitely never watched it. Like I always was doing something else and it would come on or something. Yeah. Well, he's the hotel manager and like very different characters, but yeah. I just I didn't realize that he was in this episode and I was excited to see him. Like I remembered the therapist, but I did not I like thought he was somebody else, so right. that was cool. Question number 2. Do you agree that anyone who claims to be sane is lying or not very bright? Kind of, yeah. I do too. We're all a little mad here. Yeah, I don't know. I just think that he... I mean, I feel like it's in the same vein as true knowledge lies in knowing that you know nothing, right? Yeah. It's just anyone who thinks they're all there, all the way put together, just like isn't self-aware enough to realize that's not true. Well, it just like gives you... It's as soon as you feel confident in something that allows for holes to appear i guess yeah i don't know this kind of leads into like something i've always felt that like usually if someone will describe themselves a certain way i have found it to almost never be true Hmm. um like a great example i have is uh one time i got a new manager at king supers and he walked in and like like you know we had to wear those aprons and stuff and his was just like untied and he looked really unkempt I was like, is that our new manager? Like, how did he get into management looking like that? <laughs> I was like, whatever. And then he never came to introduce himself to me. I was like, that's weird. Like, that's unprofessional. And then I walked up and introduced myself to him. And he was like, yeah, you'll find him a pretty good manager. And like, that was the first thing he said to me about himself. And it definitely proved to be wrong. He's one of the worst managers I've ever had. And like, that's just an example. But like, I just, I feel like, or like there's this trend going around on TikTok right now where someone walks up to someone and they're like, hey, what's your Pokemon knowledge on like scale of one to ten? And then regardless of what they say, he asks them some questions about Pokemon and all the people who are like, I don't know, like a three or a four get like all the questions right. And all the people that are like nine, ten, I know everything, don't know shit. Or another the exact same thing that happened was someone was jamming on the street with a guitar and he was like, here, write a solo to this. And the person that said he was a guitar god sucked. And the girl that said she was just a beginner killed it. Huh. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Because, like, I've met people who are like, oh, I'm an empath. So I'm really, like, in tune with other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you're not. But Dean likes to tell me that I'm super empathetic. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to call myself an empath. Because that's yeah. the moment I'm going to stop feeling empathetic towards people. <laughs> well, it's the same as how, like, you don't like to call yourself a nerd. Yeah. Right? Because, like. If you say I'm a nerd, people have different criteria for that. and They're going to judge you harshly on it once you say throw that out there. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, because I think I've told you the story about how like I was talking to someone one time and they were like, you play D&D. I thought you said you weren't a nerd. And I was like, I'd never said I was a nerd. And then like Star Trek came up and I mentioned that I don't know anything about Star Trek. And he was like, how can you be a nerd and not know anything about yeah. Star Trek? And I'm like, I didn't say I was a nerd. You did. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's so. yeah, it's just that kind of self-awareness that yeah. I think most people lack and why I try not to put labels on myself as anything, despite having called myself a comic book nerd earlier this episode. Yeah. But even then I didn't do that. I said the comic book nerd in my heart. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, I don't want to label myself that, but I do have those tendencies like. And I think that I've noticed that the truest labels are the labels that people have put on you. So exactly. Like, I could call you a comic book nerd and people will believe it. That if you say you're a comic book nerd, it's almost like a challenge and people have to like 
yeah. test your knowledge. Yeah. And like, there's so many comics out there that even if you are a comic book nerd, you're not going to know every single one. Yeah. Like, it's that exact same thing. Like, you just, people don't know themselves as well as they would like to think they do. But other people know them very well. Yeah. So, I, that's still an answer to that question. I agree. In this essay, I will know. <laughs> and then the last one was just most 90s thing you noticed, and we already kind of covered it was the, the therapist smoking in his office. Yeah. And what was yours? Oh, the, the Rolodex. The card the, index. Yeah, card index. The Rolodex. You are um, not. <laughs> yeah. You're the 90s baby more than me. So I know. It's super funny that I know what a card index is and you don't. But Yeah, but my memory sucks. That's true. We have noticed that trend here on this <laughs> I did want to comment. Buffy, this episode, was wearing a jacket, but then also had like a hoodie or a cardigan or something tied around her waist. Yeah. And the only time I've ever seen that fashion before was Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. And I don't know if that's like a late 90s, early thousands thing, but I like it. I don't know if it was either, but that's funny. Yeah. All right, so let's... So you want to move on to character development? Yeah, let's switch right into character development. Our characters, this episode, in order of appearance, returning, Willow, Oz, Xander, Faith, Buffy, Scott Hope, Giles, Cordelia, and Angel. And our new characters are Debbie, Pete, and Mr. Platt. Who would you like to start with? I don't know. Who would you like to start with? I'm not... The way character development works is always once we start talking, I realize shit I wanted to say, but going yeah. into it, I'm always like, I didn't, I don't know. <laughs> um, That's the inside of my brain. I don't know. I guess I want to start by asking you how you felt about Scott and Buffy's relationship this episode. Uh, it felt existent, I guess. I don't know. Like, it, like, we see them together, but, like, they're not really doing any, like, coupley things or talking about each other like they're just i feel it, like it feels like it's more just like a fact that they're dating than anything else i feel like they tried really hard to show how into buffy he was because he was like we're not at flowers yet and then he got like super paranoid that he missed the flower stage and like should be buying her flowers and it so it was clear that he like was like i'm at whatever state stage you want to be at and then like when she was talking about how she didn't get a lot of sleep last night, he was like, I want to tell you, you look beautiful today, but now I'm going to change it to amazing because you didn't get any sleep last night. And I don't know if it's just like because all of my relationships before my marriage were super toxic, but I was just like, Blech, I'm not interested in this. <laughs> this good, good guy stuff. It's not for me. <laughs> Is it for anyone? Do you yes. ever see it work out? Yes, I do. All right. I think so. Like, I don't know. Because that makes you saying that makes me feel like that whole nice guys finish last thing is real. And I don't believe that. But I guess I don't think I can talk about it without sounding like a kind of person I don't like. <laughs> so I'd kind of like to skip skip the topic. But I do in my heart kind of feel that nice guys finish last. In a lot of aspects of life. I mean, I guess maybe what it is is that Scott doesn't feel just nice. He also feels nervous. And I do think that confidence is something that people are like attracted to just on a general scale. I mean, that's true. Because if somebody's not sure, then that kind of makes you feel unsure. 
and then you're unsure of your relation, like your feelings for them. So maybe that's what it is that I don't like. Cause like, it's nice that he wants to tell her she looks good today and stuff. I think that that kind of thing is something that I'm put off by because of the belief that like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with it. So we can skip it if you want. All right. Anyway, I don't, I don't really have any feelings on their relationship. I, I think because Angel's back, it's probably not going to last. Yeah. And I didn't really think it was going to last in the beginning anyway. I mean, like I said, this, we already went through this lesson. She can't be with a normal guy anyway. <laughs> as much as he's going to try, and I think he is putting in the effort, and I like that about him. Yeah. But I don't have faith that it's going to, you know, last. I kind of talked about the fact that I think it's messed up Giles was nice to Buffy and not Xander. It's very hypocritical for sure. But that said, Xander, like, he straight up went to bed. Yeah. Like, he... Like, Willow walked out of the room and he put his book down and laid his head on it and slept. Buffy clearly fell asleep while reading, which is like, it, she, it, it shows she didn't make the conscious decision to sleep. Yeah. Like, even Xander was like, well, I rested my eyes a couple times, which is a decision you make. You're like, all right, I can, I can close my eyes for a minute. Buffy was trying and she was doing something on top of it, which led to a level of exhaustion that caused her to fall asleep. But like, and I think that the... It, like intent matters, right? Yeah, but here's the thing: is like even when she woke up, she wasn't like, "Oh, did Oz get out?" or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, she definitely should have had that reaction. <laughs> I was expecting her to, and she didn't. I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I'm not saying she's blameless here, and I agree that Xander or that Giles was a hypocrite. I just I think that there's a little bit of wiggle room there to see at least why he would be. I mean, obviously he's also playing favorites with Buffy, but yeah. I don't really have anything. I mean, I feel like we did a lot of character development in the summary. Yeah. Like, when, we, when I wanted to talk about things, like, we did. So. Yeah. We always do. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't feel like this was a big character episode anyway. It was There was, like, a big message and a lot of stuff happening. Yeah. But there were no, like, particular character growth moments. It was, yeah. It was a story as the state of things are. Yeah. Except Buffy's still lying, and I don't like that. She finally came clean about Angel last episode, and here she is lying about Angel again, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, but that's not character development. She's always been a liar. Well, yeah. Angel came back from the dead. That's a development, though I guess that, that was last, last episode. That happened last episode. We didn't talk about it last episode. So Did we not? No, I don't think so. I mean, we talked about it, but like, you normally like to say, this person died, and we didn't specifically yeah. establish this guy came back from the dead. That's fair. He undeveloped. Yeah. Debbie, Pete, and Mr. Platt, all dead. Yeah. I I did like Mr. Platt a lot. I did, too. Um, and we kind of touched on that, but I, I might as well bring it up here again since yeah. it's never going to come up again. Yeah. Well, allegedly. Well, yeah. <laughs> my Xander. I know who my Herbert is. I do, too, but I didn't. I couldn't pick a Xander. Like, I kind of want to give it to Xander, but it's not like a convicted. Yeah. As much as, like... I shouldn't have gone to sleep in the first five seconds of the episode. Yeah, but we already kind of talked about the fact that I feel like they did that just because they always make Xander mess up and it's Yeah, well, they, they needed the drama of maybe it was Oz, even yeah. though there was no point I thought it could have been Oz. Yeah. But it had to be ambiguous for the story. Yeah. They needed to wonder if it could have been him. Well, and it could have been that Willow fell asleep reading to him, but instead they made it Xander's fault. And I just like... Uh, I don't like it. Yeah, like it's a, <laughs> it's a reserved, I guess I'm going to give it to Xander, but it's like only because no one else I feel like irritated me enough to get it. 
Yeah, see, part of me is like, I got really irritated at Buffy for lying to Giles, so I could give it to her, but I have a hard time giving Buffy the Xander ever. And then I Oh, I have no problem giving Buffy the Xander. She gets on my nerves a lot. (laughs) Despite her being my favorite character in the show. I feel like it could go to Giles because I really didn't like the hypocrisy, I think, is what's going to make me give it to Giles. That's who I think you should give it to based on the conversation we've had. Yeah, I think I am going to give it to Giles, even though like it's hard for me to do that because Giles is consistently my favorite character of the show. Like he just I was just I didn't like that at all. I just felt like it was a huge double standard and I don't like double standards. So, yeah. Who is your Herbert? Uh, Faith. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Platt was going to be the runner up. I liked him a lot. Yeah. But I just liked Faith in this episode. I mean, she spoke to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. We're both jaded. I liked watching her like rock out while she was watching Oz. I was like, she wasn't in it a lot. Yeah. But the scenes she was in, I enjoyed. So I'm giving it to her. Cool. Oz was my Herbert. I thought he might be. I was, I was. I was toggling back and forth between him and Willow because I liked Willow a lot in this episode, too. I really appreciated the fact that she like 100 percent had Oz's back and was like she just she just really was like she showed up this episode. And I really appreciated that. I guess I could have said that for her with character development, but I'm going to give it to Oz because he consistently had my favorite lines in the episode. And I just felt like he did a really good job of like he was cool to Debbie and a way that like wasn't pushy. Which is what people like that, I think, really need is for you to constantly just be available to them. You know, unfortunately, he noticed it too late, which also happens a lot in those kinds of situations. But But that's um, real. Yeah. But like Oz went through a lot of stuff this episode and still he's definitely deserving of it. Yeah. He still came out on top. So I'm giving it to Oz. I agree with that. I'm glad you gave it to Faith and Mr. Platt, though, because I also enjoyed both of them this episode. Um, I will say, over half the lines I wrote down were Oz. So, I believe Analysis is next. Analysis is next. I have a few things written down. Obviously, domestic oh. violence was the, like, overarching... Do you have something? Well, so, I I feel like we should try to kind of breeze through this, because I don't want us to get too repetitive, and we talked a lot about... Everything. Most of the things that are going to be in our analysis in the summary. Yeah. Um, But I do think domestic abuse is the main message, like ways to identify it, what it's really like, how bad it can really be, like the fact that it did lead to death. I think one thing we kind of glazed over that I would have liked to talk about was the fact that he had a substance that mm. um, originally caused him to act that way. And they do focus on the fact that he would have been that way anyway. The substance just kind of made it a little more aggressive. But I do feel like, at least in my personal life, most of the domestic abuse I've been around has been caused by alcohol or other substances like and i think that's a big part of it it can and the fact that it went from him using it to him deciding he doesn't need it anymore and still being this terrible person it's just worth noting i guess i don't know no i think that's a really strong point and i obviously think that that was a huge part of the episode However, I do also want to really hone in on some of the stuff Mr. Platt talked to Buffy about and how you don't stop loving someone just because they change and turn into a bad person. I think that's really real. 
I I think that that the hardness of that is something that like is really something people need to understand because he was talking to Buffy about her relationship with Angel slash Angelus. You know, he didn't realize it, but that's what he was kind of talking to. Her. He was talking to her about that, but it immediately directly applied to Pete and Debbie. Debbie loved Pete. He changed. He started drinking that stuff to become quote unquote more macho because he was afraid she was going to leave him. She didn't stop loving him. And that is why she had such a heart. Like that's why she couldn't leave him in the end, you know, but she did love him. And you don't just stop loving someone just because they change and turn into a bad person. And it, and he even said like, you can get lost in love and that's something that happens to everybody, but you don't stay lost. And Debbie stayed lost and stayed in that broken shell of a relationship and suffered the consequences of it. So like, and that's something that happens even if you're not in a domestically abusive relationship, like, heartbreak happens and you lose yourself in that and it's okay to like mourn the loss of a relationship that's a death of a life you could have had but at the end of the day you need to pick yourself back up and be like i'm gonna move on and it's gonna be okay so and especially with that particular instance leading up to literal death exactly so that's not a life you could have had anyway i do think it's interesting that him taking the potion to be more macho is an interesting reversal of you bringing up scott hope being more gentle and nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what to make of that, but it's a thought I had while you were, when Talking you brought it. it up. Yeah. Simmer on it. And maybe we can talk about it in the next episode during our clarifications and corrections. If you All want right. something. Yeah. Uh, if you have something and you want to message in about this particular conversation, whether it's about something I voiced or something Stosh voiced or something you think we missed, please send us a message about it. Um, the only other thing I have really, analysis wise is this was a very pro mental health and therapy episode Mm -hmm. yeah because the only person who had a problem with therapy was pete and debbie yeah and obviously pete had was against it for nefarious reasons but you'll notice and so this is where i'm going to bring this all the way back now we were talking about how debbie was like i don't like the things he says my guess is because he says the exact same thing to debbie that he said to buffy about how like it's okay to love someone who's changed but you can't stay that way. You can't stay in this bad relationship. You can't let somebody do all these mean things to you. You have to save yourself. And Buffy needed to hear it and was open to it. Debbie refused to hear it. And that's why she had a problem with Mr. Platt and he actually helped Buffy. I mean, it's true that you cannot help someone who does not want to be helped. Mm -hmm. It, It is an interesting parallel there. How when Buffy walked in and started talking about how there was this guy she was seeing and like, Right away, Mr. Platt was allowed, was like, but he changed and like, you know, now he's mean or whatever. And like, yeah, he was just calling what happened, but also it's because his other patient is going through the exact same thing right Mm -hmm. now. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things where it's like there for us to see if we open our eyes to it. Like Buffy, it's not on Buffy to see it there, but she could have if she was looking into it. But obviously it's her therapy session. It's not her job to read into what the therapist says and figure out other people's problems. Right, exactly. So normally we would be giving the Thurs debate here, but we obviously don't have a Thurs debate because of our break. But I did do some Kiss, Mary Kills on our Instagram page. Ooh, I saw those and I did not vote in them. Well, you shouldn't have because you already got to vote. That's why I didn't vote in them. So our first Kiss, Mary Kill was Drusilla, Darla, and Joyce. Do you want to guess... Who won the kiss category? Between Drusilla, Joyce, and who? Darla. 
I think Drusilla won. Drusilla did win. I am not going to reveal who voted for what, because I think some people didn't understand the assignment and voted for like the same person under multiple categories and stuff. So it didn't even out perfectly, but that's fine mm. because I'm just going to give the total winner. That's fine. Um, I mean, I, I, I feel like you shouldn't reveal who votes for what things in these anyway. So. Well, I usually I'd be like, I'm like 20% voted for so-and-so. Oh, and but you're not like going to give percentages. I'm not going to give it. percentages. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't going to name names. That's why I was like, <laughs> that's, why would you do that? <laughs> anyway. All right. All right. For the Mary category, who do you think won? You're still a darling Joyce. Joyce, maybe? Yeah, Joyce won. And that leaves Darla winning the kill category, which I think is the exact same one that you had. And I think it's what I had. None of them were unanimous, though, which makes me happy. That's cool. The only person the only person who didn't get a single vote in a category was Joyce did not get a kiss. Mm. All right. Buffy, Cordelia and Willow are the next three. Who Buffy, do you think Cordelia and Willow got the most kisses? I don't know. Buffy, maybe that's a shot in the dark. So actually, Willow and Cordelia tied. Okay. But so, we're gonna, so I got the one wrong answer. Yeah. Nailed it. But we're going to give it to Willow. Okay. Willow got the kiss. Who do you think got the marry? Cordelia? Nope, it was Buffy. All right. So Cordelia got the kill. And Cordelia got the kill. I figured maybe people were shallow enough to want Cordelia's money. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were no... Everybody got at least one vote in each category. Yeah. Which, surprises me that somebody would have chosen to kill Buffy but and then the last one I did was Spike Angel and Xander who do you think got the kiss Angel it was Spike well then I think Angel got the Mary he did and Xander got the kill I was like there's no way Xander didn't get the kill but again no unanimous everyone got at least one vote yeah that's fine yeah so yeah Uh, did we get any listener messages then we did get a listener message we got two from Jennifer who messaged in, no, just listening to Anne. A tea cozy is a knitted cover for a teapot to keep your tea warm, not to keep your cup warm. Here in Australia, a stubby cooler is what we generally call what you refer to as a beer cozy. It is definitely not a trashy thing to have. I have <laughs> stubby coolers in my bag and car and take one to the pub. It is a must have in Australia. Funny, though, I collect stubby coolers from wherever I go. When I was on the East Coast of America in 2019, I asked for stubby coolers as souvenirs and got a what's that from a lot of people, except the baseball. I got a Phillies and a Yankees stubby cooler, except in baseball. I got a Phillies and a Yankees stubby cooler. And then she said, back to listening. And her immediate message afterwards is, hold the phone. Just heard Stasha's correction about the tea cozy. Should have known that would come up. Gritting my teeth to listen to Dead Man's Party as Willow and Xander piss me off in this episode. <laughs> we'll now have caught up and we'll comment on real time. That's awesome. I'm yeah. glad you've caught up. And we're still glad to have you here. Thanks for the correction, even though I beat you to it. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know, maybe it's just a Colorado thing that people think it's trashy to have a, a beer cozy. Maybe it's just a your friends thing. <laughs> I, I don't think it is. I don't think it was either. Because Katie thought it was trashy, too. Yeah, maybe. And we didn't roll around in the same friend group or anything. That's, That's just a thing I've heard is trashy before. That's true. But I definitely mean, didn't mean that insulting to anyone. And then we also got a, an email from Danny who says, I discovered your podcast this week and just finished I Robot You Jane. Just wanted to let you know that I think it is awesome. 
You do have great chemistry and you sound like you are having a great time together. Can't wait to hear more. You deserve the five, the Spotify five star rating I left. Thanks. Thank you, Danny. We don't ask people to rate us very often, but it definitely makes me happy when people do. In theory, it would help out a lot if everyone did. Yeah. Is what other podcasts say, so I'm inclined to believe it's true. Yeah, please rate our podcast. <laughs> At time of recording, we have 11 five-star reviews on Spotify. Dang. Well, I'm sorry we're on a break right when you started listening. Hopefully yeah. we can get back to it before you catch up. Yeah. I'm also sorry we went on a break right as Jennifer caught up. That feels bad. I know. I did tell her. I did say, I'm so glad you're caught up. Sadly, we are discussing taking a break because we both have some personal stuff we're dealing with right now. But we hope to have new content for you soon. And she replied with, you both got to look after yourselves. Never apologize for taking time for you. You and Stash do what you need to do in whatever time it takes. Take care of yourselves, each other, and your loved ones. So Thank you. It was really nice. That is very nice. I got really, I got like choked up when I read it the first time. I'm getting choked up again. So, Buffy fans are the best. (laughs) (laughs) Our fans are the best. Our fans are the best of the Buffy fans. (laughs) Yeah. And the Buffy fans are the best of the people. (laughs) There we go. Well, if you would like to be like Jennifer or Danny, you could message us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Jim Canceled Pod, or you could email us at Jim's Canceled Pod at gmail.com. And our next episode is season three, episode five, Homecoming. Stosh, do you have any predictions? Probably going to be a homecoming dance in that one. And I think maybe a limo is going to be involved. (laughs) That's a spoiler. I don't like that you made that prediction because you know that it's true. (laughs) To be fair, they heard me reveal I got spoiled. (laughs) It's true. Unless they just skip to the end and they just listen for your predictions. If you listen to our podcast that way, let us know. I'm very curious. Be wild. I mean, yeah, that's the best I got. There's a dance. That's fine. We will find out if that prediction is true next time. And until then, stay sunny, Slayers. watch the simpsons no well i'm the only person on the planet who can say no to that question but no i mean that's definitely not true i was kind of expecting a no honestly but <laughs> <laughs>